Hello, this is Jesse Single. You're listening to a bonus episode of Blocked Reported. This is an interview episode. You're basically going to hear the first half of a episode we did for our patrons where I interviewed Justin Tozy. He's a philosopher at Texas Tech University. He's the co-author with Brandon Warpke of a very interesting new book on moral grandstanding that you'll hear more about in just a minute. You're going to hear the part of the interview about his book, about moral grandstanding online and why Justin is against it and how people abuse what he calls moral talk. The second half of the interview, which you only have access to if you join our Patreon, has to do with the culture wars in academia and these actually really interesting fights going on within philosophy because I think they're sort of microcosms of what's going on in in journalism and academia in general. So if you enjoy what you hear, please consider going over to patreon.com slash blocked and reported. That's our premium subscription program where you get at least three extra episodes a month, uh, extra episodes of me and Katie talking, plus a bunch of stuff like this interview. You get access to a great community of more than 3,000 people. Uh, it, it's our patrons who keep this thing going for us. They're the reason I can record an interview with an interesting philosopher and give it to you guys as bonus content. So uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I hope you enjoy. Hello, you are listening to a patrons-only episode of Blocked and Reported. I am Jesse Single. I am without my trusted, arguably trusted, partner, Katie Herzog, because this is an interview episode. I recently spoke with Justin Tozy. He is a philosopher at Texas Tech University and the author with Brandon Warmke of Grandstanding, The Use and Abuse of Moral Talk. This is a really interesting book that captures so much about online life, and I'm not going to prattle on further. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Uh, the first half of it is about the book. The second half is about sort of some of this culture war stuff going on within philosophy. The first half will also eventually be released for everyone. Uh, so you'll hear that in an upcoming episode. Thank you, guys, and I hope you enjoy. Justin Tozy, how are you doing today? Great. How are you, Jesse? Good. Could you um, do my job for me and tell listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I am an assistant professor of philosophy at Texas Tech University, uh, where I teach and write about moral, legal, social, and political philosophy. And you're the author with Brandon Warmke of Grandstanding, The Use and Abuse of Moral Talk, correct? That's right. You got the right right guy. <laughs> okay, good. I was If you'd said no, that would have sort of tor- torpedoed the interview. to see how far this could go, yeah. Okay, so so this book came out in July, correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so it's now available in, on Kindle, in hard copy, and in audiobook, if that's your thing. I have my, my hard copy with me. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but this is proof. No other book would make those those particular noises. Um, so the key the key concept here is is moral grandstanding, and some of the work you do in the book is to separate out moral talk in general, as you call it, which is just sort of claims about what's good, what's bad, stuff like that, from this very particular type of moral talk called grandstanding. And and how do you guys define that? Yeah, so if you want just a simple, non-technical definition of grandstanding, it's the use of moral talk for self-promotion. So one of the things that we we try really hard to do in the book is to point out we have no problem with moral talk. We think moral talk is really important, and, and actually – um, the reason moral grandstanding should bother us is that moral talk is really important. So the idea is you're taking something something that's important and sort of cheapening it, in other words? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so the idea is that we need to be able to have these important conversations uh, about what we should do, uh, about what people deserve, uh, about what 
justice demands, that sort of thing. Um, and if people pervert our practice of talking about these issues uh, and turn them into a vanity project, the thing that we actually need moral talk to do uh, kind of falls by the wayside or it's you know interfered with by uh, these people turning it into um, a show, I guess, uh, to, to prove to others how good they are. Early in your book, one of the examples you give is is like one of the most incredible tweets of all time. This was from 2016. There is a horrible, tragic event where a two year old is killed by an alligator. Oh my god! I have yeah. to read this tweet. <laughs> this is uh, I'm not even going to say the name. I think her account's offline now. Anyway, yeah. June 15th, 2016. I'm so finished with white men's entitlement lately that I'm really not sad about a two year old being eaten by a gator. Because his daddy ignored signs. Setting aside just the the execrable nature of that tweet, how, so how does that line up with – why is that grandstanding? So it's not uh, – the tweet is an example of just like moral talk gone wrong, right? So what we're doing early on in the book is um, trying to just get people in the frame of mind of thinking like just because someone is talking about justice or uh, about political values or whatever, that doesn't mean that whatever they say – uh, is is laudable. Now, I mean, this tweet could be grandstanding, right? Because this person could be, um, you know, a- appealing to their in groups of saying, like, you know, look, I, I know normally people care about like the, the deaths of children, but I care so I'm so you know sick of of like white men's entitlement. I, you know, it's getting to the point. I don't even see that as that big a deal anymore because white men's entitlement is the real problem here. <laughs> I mean, no, this is like if you listen to the podcast, you know, Katie and I have a real thing about white kids getting eaten by alligators, just yeah. getting way too much attention. It's not fair. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, what I mean, I think you just tweeted about this the other day. Um, there's this tendency of, of people to like focus on. The, I think you call it moral spotlighting of like the one big thing that their group is really mad about right now uh, that they yeah. know is going to get the most attention is, is going to make people really think, Oh my God, like this is a, a really morally pure person who gets it. Um, so this is plausibly a case of that. I, one thing that really jumped out at me as important was, um, I mean, you could sum it up by this line from your book, they grandstand to dominate others. That, that's an early quote. And it seems like you guys are, are noting this real connection between grandstanding and a desire to sort of dominate or humiliate, even though, if my understanding is correct, not every instance of grandstanding contains that. I think the two of you guys just, just tended to view them as, as correlated, especially online, right? Yeah, that's right. So people grandstand for roughly two reasons, um, and it's all about ways you can pursue status. So on the one hand, you can pursue status uh, by seeking prestige. So this is – uh, what people are doing when they try to like show, you know, show, uh, people instances of, of themselves doing something really laudable or like admirable, um, something that, that they actually deserve, uh, praise for. So this could be, you know, when they're grandstanding, it, it could be just, um, showing people that they have good moral beliefs, that they're a decent person, that sort of thing. Um, so that is still grandstanding. Um, what's even uglier though is, is when people engage in, um, 
in grandstanding to dominate others. And this is pr- probably like when you think about like the worst online behavior, this is, this is the stuff. So do- dominance grandstanding is, uh, the use of, of moral talk to like silence other people or humiliate them, uh, or, you know, cause people around them to, to think this is, you know, this is a bad person that I need to ostracize. Um, so, you know, th- these are the, the people who, you know, quote, retweet someone and say, Twitter, do you thing? Um, that, that right. kind of shit. Uh, so, so that's, that's dominance grandstanding. Um, yeah. So we, we talk a lot about, uh, the, these two forms. Um, uh, both of them are, are problematic in, in their own ways. Uh, it's maybe easier to see why grand, uh, dominance grandstanding is so ugly. Uh, we have a lot of moral arguments about, um, about prestige grandstanding too, uh, being a, a serious problem. So, I mean, in addition to the fact that it's it's morally bad to sort of try to humiliate or dominate people, or at least most people would agree with that. I mean, one of the things that's interesting to me here is how this prevents any sort of potentially useful discussion. So, I mean, let's just take a hypothetical of um, – and I'm – you know, both sides clearly do this. Everyone does this, but – if someone made some sort of a pro-reproductive rights, pro-choice argument on Twitter and someone, quote, retweeted them and said something like, you know, why would I listen to someone who wants millions of babies to be killed? <laughs> that sort of sort of, you know, humiliation, spotlighting. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is sort of self-evident, but what does that do to prevent, for example, like actually productive discussion of the morality of abortion? Yeah. So think about the incentives that are in play in an example like that. So you could come in and, and say, well, I mean, actually, you should listen to this person, even though they're wrong, right? Because that's, you know, they've made an argument and, you know, blah, 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 like, you know, talking like a philosopher, right? Um, you should at least respond to them, give, give a real objection. And, you know, this is how we make progress with ideas and, and so on. Like, no one wants to hear that, right? Um, right. Well, I mean, some people want to hear that, but they're not on Twitter and they're not like terminally online. Uh, so the well, people no, are, you guys are terminally online and you're philosophers, which is an interesting sort it's of weird. Venn yeah. diagram. I mean, yeah, I, so I don't get into these, like these substantive disputes on, on Twitter because I do think it's pretty much pointless. Um, yeah. but yeah, so we're mostly there as, as like, um, you know, anthropologists or something. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, th- so like, what what can you get out of engaging with, with people like this and like trying to talk about arguments? Like not much, right? Like mostly you are going to get dogpiled. You're going to get really confused people on both sides, like like thinking, um, you know, either like this this is someone like pretending, you know, to to be on our side to like make us take this seriously, or you know, this is someone who like. If, if they can see that this is important, you know, they should have just been on board. Like, obviously, you shouldn't be killing babies and, and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, once, you know, the point is that once moral talk turns into this status game, uh, where everybody is constantly on guard and trying to, to advance their own public image, um, you know, the truth is, is not really of interest, right? What's of interest is showing other people that your heart is in the right place. That's how you gain status. Right. And it's just so different from, um, you know, I, I, I was not good at philosophy, but I was a philosophy major. And when you're 18 and 19 and 20, there's like, and hopefully when you're older, there's real joy in sort of sitting down and trying to understand both sides of some contentious debate. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, yeah. 
There, I mean, there can be at least, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. something like something like abortion, where it's not, you know, uh, the example Katie and I often go back to is like separating migrant parents and kids at the border and isolating their kids. Like, we don't think there is a real moral case for doing that, mm-hmm. or few legitimate moral arguments. Something like abortion, I think most people are not on either radical pole, right? I think. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I mean, I think most people, even if they don't have a well-defined position, I think most people recognize that in these really tough moral issues, um, there's a good case for nuance, right? So there's a reason yeah. that these issues are, are so controversial. And it's that there are genuine conflicts and values. Um, it'd be really surprising if it turned out that always, you know, uh, the right answer was, was on the side of, of one or the other of those values. Um, so you're, you're at a real disadvantage. I, I mean, even in graduate school, man, like I would go into seminars and there would be people who are just like extremists. Um, and it's just like, it's not even fun to talk to them because they have, you know, the answer worked out already. Like there's no uptake. Um, and like, it's actually really hard, uh, to come up with, um, a good nuanced position and like have arguments for it. But it's actually, it's very easy to just like dig in, um, and, and say, no, you know, if you, if you don't get this, like there's no point in talking to you. Um, you're just corrupt. Like, uh, you, you listen too much to those bad people. Um, right. So, so, so this I mean, is even, this is even in graduate philosophy. Oh seminars. Yeah, I mean, it's probably worse now. Have you seen philosophy Twitter? Well, yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask you about that without getting too far from grandstanding, but there does yeah. seem to be, well, why don't, why don't we kick this to a little later in the talk, just because I want to sure. make sure we get to the meaty parts of your book, but I definitely want to talk about this, because I, I unfortunately am familiar with philosophy Twitter, yeah. and I want to ask you about <laughs> yeah. uh, Having at least once pissed them off, they're, they're not fans, or some of them aren't. Um, yeah. But, so so let's just, um, let's talk a little bit about you know, that sort of uh, Socratic ideal of like actually trying to work through stuff. You guys write, we think there are also norms that govern profitable moral talk, which is one reason why most people find grandstanding so annoying. So so let's break that down. When you say profitable moral talk, what, what sort of profit are you – do you mean? Yeah. Uh, so, by, so by that, we mean things like making progress toward the truth about, about um, sharing insights. Um, so I mean – my favorite moments in, in philosophy are, and not just philosophy, just talking to people uh, about moral issues, are when you hear so- someone say something or, or read something like a response to an objection, and it's just like, "Whoa! Like I finally get this." You know, yeah. Um, there, there's there's something here. I I never really thought of it quite that way, um, and you can really learn that way. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, if everyone comes into a, a moral discussion where it's, like, embarrassing to show any uncertainty, uh, if that's a sign that you're a vicious person or, like, you're not sufficiently sure about what the truth is about some matter, um, then we all miss out on these opportunities to gain these important insights from having these discussions, right? Because everyone is, is like embarrassed to admit that they hadn't thought of something or, um, you know, the, the, the way someone, you know, supposedly on the other side, uh, put a point, it was like new to them or, you know, got through to them somehow. Uh, because if it's all about like group identity and how pure you are, like how solidly, uh, uh, I'm solidly a member of your in-group you are, um, then 
all of you know all of the uncertainty, the nuance, uh, the like genuine back and forth, and taking each other seriously. All of that is a liability, right? Yeah. Well, and it's also it's also interesting because like there is there's a type of person who likes testing their own ideas and seeing where they are, you know, there might be some, some flaws and, and why, you know, there could be ways in which the stuff I believe today, I don't believe tomorrow because I realized I hadn't fully thought them through. And that, that to me is like a really important process given how, I don't know. It's like, so our brains are weird, right? Like we're capable of abstract thought. We're capable of, of real complexity, but we weren't really evolved to have sort of like, computer level rationality right we're riddled by all these biases and and so it does it does not come naturally to us to really think through our own opinions in a careful way and and so the when you have the incentives in a social environment to not do that just like any real effort along those lines sort of collapses quickly right yeah yeah and i mean so a thing to to really point out here is it's not like um the people who fall into this trap are bad people um so you know in, in the book one thing we're, we're really careful to point out is we are hardwired to grandstand. So we all care deeply about what other people think of us uh, because we don't want to be ostracized. We don't want to be alone. Um, it's important to us that the people around us respect us, will deal with us, trust us, uh, and things like that. And we also like to think of ourselves as decent people. So, you know, if it becomes clear to, to anyone uh, witnessing a, a moral exchange that like the stakes are not sort of, well, you know, let's just have like a, a dispassionate discussion about, um, about what the truth of the matter here is, but, but rather like the stakes are, we're deciding right now, like who is good enough to like have the respect of this group. Um, then like, of course it's totally natural to like be worried that people will think you're awful and, and, you know, like you, you don't care enough about, about refugees or, or about unborn babies or, or, or whatever. Um, but of course also this is really bad, uh, for, for seeking the truth, uh, because once those are the stakes, right, the goal is, is not to reach the truth. The goal is to like stay in the good graces of the group or, or maybe to ascend to a leadership position in, in the group by having the most pure beliefs. So it all becomes a purity test rather than uh, a, an intellectual like search for the truth. Do you know the concept of the, um, the iron law of institutions? The iron law of institutions? Yeah. This, it's familiar, but, but refresh my... It's, it's basically um, it's it's a, the leftist writer Freddie DeBoer who we've had on here, and I think he took oh, it from yeah. someone else. But it's, yeah, it's basically the idea that like people people within a group are motivated not um, to achieve the group's external goal, goals, but to maximize their standing within the group. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so, it's, it's so like a principal agent problem. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like it's like you know, there's things you can say that you know, almost actively obscure the truth, assuming the goal is to find the truth, but which can benefit you within the group. And I think you see a lot of that going on in certain communities. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so so profitable moral talk sort of illuminates something or, or teaches us something or gets us closer to some sort of truth. Grandstanding is not profitable moral talk. And you think most people sort of intuitively get that and maybe that's part of why some people are annoyed by grandstanding even as sort of in-group members cheered on yeah i mean i think we all have this intuitive sense that like the point of talking about morality is to help people right it's uh 
to actually point people to injustice in the world or, or give them some kind of like guidance about what we ought to do or, or you know, at least spread the news about what's, what's going on. Um, so I think for most people, it's a pretty like easy thing to see that, that like when people are grandstanding, when they're just trying to show other people their heart is in the right place or when, when they're just like nakedly, you know, trying to, uh, to, advance uh their position in, in in the group that's not what it's about you know um so i mean like this this is not like the purest example but think of of like um expressing um sadness when someone dies so like chadwick boseman just died and, and like sean king uh sends out this email <laughs> it's yeah. all, we were always going to get to sean king uh so sean Definitely. king sends out this email like oh you know i'm so sad this guy died. also you know you should buy my now that you're reading this you should really buy my book like i mean right. so you know this is not like a pure moral issue or, or whatever um but it is the same kind of thing where it's it's a perversion of the kind of talk that you expect to see when, when someone starts in on on uh, an issue like that. And of course, I mean, Sean King is just amazing. He's just a world-class grandstander. Um, so, so um, read any Sean King newsletter and you'll probably see the <laughs> yeah. same sort of moves. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think like the only people who really push back on us about this are, are philosophers. Like they're the only people who are like, yeah, I mean, of course everyone should, you know, like it when I, when I'm, showing them how good I am. Like, I think everybody gets that that's just not what, what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Wait, so what is it about philosophers? Explain that to me. You're saying philosophers just view that as sort of, of natural human nature? Yeah. Well, I mean, so like there are legitimate arguments that you can press about like, well, you know, this is how you spread norms. Like you give some people an incentive to do this and, and so on. But I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what the deal is if it's just like because it's us and like they suspect our political beliefs or or whatever um or it's or like they think this is a right wing attack or something like that but yeah right. like so philosophers are the only people I I have seen who are like no it's it's totally good um to just like turn this into a game uh where <laughs> where it's all about your vanity uh, and not about the truth so they, so they'll like cherry pick and say well you know here's a here's a moral claim like you could say that and be grandstanding. And then like, you know, the response is, well, of course you could be like, you can say anything uh, about morality and, and, and be grandstanding. The problem is that like, if you're incentivized to be seeking a, uh, uh, attention or, or status, like you're less likely to say something careful that's true. Um, and you're right. more likely to, to say something outrageous uh, or, or divisive or, um, you know, that's full of equivocation or, or something like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's just not, it's not a good set of incentives. Um, but you know, philosophers like to like take a little snapshot of something and idealize all the problems away and say, see, this thing could be good. Um, but you know, that's just not that helpful for real world cases. I mean, one of the things I liked about your book is you brought in other disciplines, including, I think most notably social psychology. It seemed like you guys felt like you couldn't really, you know, obviously, your your philosophers operating from a philosophical standpoint, but you need some other, arguably harder scientific understanding of human nature to really unpack what's going on here, right? 
Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the last thing we wanted to do was write a book where it's like, I mean, this is how we, we probably like think the world is right. And so like, that's how it is. And, um, you know, uh, everything sucks. And, and, you know, th- this is just like the Tosi Warmke a priori theory of the universe. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so just listen to us like, no, I mean, we have like hundreds of, of articles and books and things from, from social psychology, political science, economics, um, all showing that um, this is all to be expected. Um, we can see what happens when people use moral talk in certain ways. Uh, you can see why people enforce norms that they don't actually believe um, in private. Um, you can see why uh, grandstanding might lead to political polarization. And then now we've gone on and done with uh, a psychologist, Josh Grubbs, we've done, I think, seven studies, like 6,000 participants, um, testing out various of, of our, um, you know, what at the point of writing the book and the original article were conjectures uh, about grandstanding and, and its effects. Um, and, you know, we've confirmed some important things. So we've shown that grandstanding is indeed related to political polarization. Uh, so people who have more extreme um, uh political beliefs are more likely to engage in grandstanding for prestige. Um, we also confirm, by the way, that this is not a partisan phenomenon. Um, so this is the other pushback we, we've gotten. We've actually gotten pushback from people on the right who are like mad that this is not a dumb culture war book uh, because <laughs> we say it's like, it's like a human problem. They're like, no, it's just a left-wing problem. It's like, okay, guy, uh, like we've got, you know, pretty good social science evidence showing that you don't actually learn anything about whether someone is more likely to grandstand if, if they're on the right or left, uh, because it's more like a U-shaped curve. So people who are more moderate, um, have, you know, more nuanced political views are less likely, uh, to engage in grandstanding, but the really extreme people are, are more likely, uh, as are narcissists, by the way. Uh, so, so, uh, <laughs> not surprisingly. Yeah, so pe- people who are, are narcissistic antagonists are more likely to grandstand for dominance. Um, and, oh crap, I'm forgetting the other, the other kind of narcissism. There's an, you know, there's another form of narcissism that makes them more likely to, um, uh, to grandstand for prestige. And these are all people, people just have to read the book. Can't yeah, give away the that's right. for free. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not like a, a tape player here. You gotta, <laughs> what, so the, um, what, when you mentioned people pretending to be in favor of norms, they privately oppose, um, that jumped out from the book too. That's a pretty interesting phenomenon. Yeah. This is the Rob Willer study, um, Rob Willer and, and colleagues. So what, yeah, what they show is, um, there's this puzzle where like, why would anyone ever hold someone to a moral standard or even just a social standard, uh, that they're not willing to follow themselves? Well, what they show is, um, what people do is, uh, they exploit this tendency uh, that other people have to believe that like if someone is willing to um, defend a social norm and like punish other people for violating it, that must mean that they believe very strongly in that social norm. Uh, so what people do then is they'll pick, you know, they'll pick something that's like, Oh, I don't know if I can bring myself to, you know, not look at pornography or, or something like this in, in public. And of course, you know, none of us can, can actually do that. 
Uh, so they'll instead like rather than like not looking at porno themselves, they'll you know go on go online and um, just rail against the people who who uh, are like open about looking at porno. Um, and so you know as a result, you get this kind of dysfunctional uh, public sphere where people don't don't really believe the things that they're trying to enforce um, are are, you know, the punishers, right? So, you know, you'll see like people like Ted Haggard that we talk about in the book talking about how bad homosexuality is. And of course he's like doing homosexual stuff uh, in in private (laughs) with, with crystal meth even. Right. Well, uh, the Falwell kid more recently. Yeah. Or like, you know, the, the, uh, the Falwell drama lately too. There's like, uh, what's the, um, the term from uh, like psychonet it's like reaction formation right yeah, it's like deep yeah, down you feel one way so you project the opposite yeah 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 so uh what i like so much about that willer study is it just makes it um it's it makes it like not mysterious right so it's not just like oh deep in our psyche is this you know <laughs> this like denial um thing it's like no you can just see like with the social incentives why people do this i um, mean it makes sense of of a lot of grandstanding so despite you know all your your books well-founded reasons to be against grandstanding you guys are also in the end you come down against the idea of policing other people for grandstanding and calling it out right yeah yep everybody's a cop um yeah so what <laughs> so what people want want to do um is they want to read our book i mean of course everyone wants to read the book but they want to read our book and then like get of course some kind of like checklist or you know test that they you know some like meter they can run over people's tweets or something like that and like it'll tell them like you know here's a proof positive you know that's a grandstander and then they want to like just destroy that person right or call them out for grandstanding and you know if unfortunately if you do like a search on twitter for grandstanding this is mostly what you see people doing uh not promoting our book which is what they should be doing (laughs) but yeah so i mean this is a bad idea right so for for one thing you like can't prove it right all you can do is say that you know this is very suspicious it sure seems like um you're trying to impress people and then you know, what you've done then is given that person exactly what they wanted if they were grandstanding, because then the conversation is not about whatever substantive issue. It's about whether they are indeed uh, a good person. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's dumb. You shouldn't do that. So what we say. Instead, Wait, you're, say you're saying you can't know just because you don't know their sort of internal state or their reason. Yeah. For posting yeah. I mean, posting. so. I mean, you can, ha- you can have pretty good evidence, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, n- not the sort of thing like, you, you know, you couldn't prove it in court or even on Twitter. Um, uh, <laughs> at least not quickly. And, you know, so you're, you know, you'll get accused of grandstanding instead. And, you know, it's just a big waste of time. Um, so what we say, what we say people should do instead is try to, uh, monitor their own behavior. Um, so, you know, ask yourself when you're about to say something, uh, if some, you know, if I found out nobody thought any better of me, nobody was impressed because of what I said here, would I be disappointed? And if you would be, then that's good evidence that you're about to grandstand because it suggests that an important part of the motivation for what you're about to do uh, is that you want to impress people. And if that's the case, then you should probably just sit this one out, right? Because you don't make that big a difference. And if you're grandstanding, actually, you know, you could be just part of a cascade of, of moving people to hold more ridiculous extreme positions. Um, and, you know, you're just part of the problem. Um, so, you know, if you care about moral talk, uh, don't do this. Right. Um, yeah. but you know, if, if you do want to rub it into other people, like to, to turn it back to them for a second, like just ignore them. 
right? That's probably the best thing that you can do for someone who's seeking attention, right? Is just not give them the attention they want. Uh, and then hopefully the end result will be like, eventually we'll develop norms where it's like, we can all sort of tell, you know, um, not, you know, again, not to the point of certainty, but like, you know, we see someone engaging in showy moral talk and it's like, ugh, like this is embarrassing. Like get it together, man. Like, you know, so it's like blowing your nose at, at like a nice restaurant right. at, at the table or something. Um, so Where people will just, they'll just sort of intuitively recognize it and, and people, it, it'll come across as so obviously untoward that the behavior will just sort of snuff itself out over time is the theory. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a case where like we think um, there's some reason to be hopeful that the norms will catch up to the technology uh, and people will cut this out. Yeah. I hope you're uh, – I hope that works. It's not, Twitter's not <laughs> yeah. fun these days. Yeah. I mean Twitter, Twitter might be a little bit less interesting, but I mean it should – you know – Maybe it'll get back to being like jokes about diarrhea and jerking off and stuff, and that's what it's best for. So that's that's the world we're trying to build with this podcast. Yes, exactly. Anyway. That's our goal. <laughs> uh, did you um anything else on the book before we move on to other stuff? Anything else? I mean, I, I as I said in my newsletter today, I thought it was awesome, and I it just it taught me a lot about people and about the internet and where the two intersect. So I I highly recommend it. But is there anything else you want people to know about it? Oh, thanks, man. Um. Let's see. I mean, there's like, I mean, there's always more stuff. I think that, that covered like the, the biggest, I mean, I guess, so there's like the field guide. We didn't really go into that. Um, so the stuff that like piling oh, yeah. on, like the things people do when they're grandstanding. Um, so I don't know if you have a question about that or, or if you want me to just like launch into it or. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just the, the piling on behavior is particularly like, so. I, I understand people's counter arguments against certain spotlighting and shaming and, and even bullying behavior because there will always be people who are like, well, what they did was really bad. They deserve that. But I think people, even more people intuitively recognize that if you're the hundredth person to pile onto someone, you are no longer sort of doing like marginal good in the world. But, but I mean, how do you, so yeah, just talk about that behavior a little bit and, and how you think we can fight it. Yeah. Uh, so piling on, uh, I mean, kind of probably got this from the question anyway, uh, is, is just this, uh, phenomenon of people, uh, chiming in just to show that they are on the right side of, of some issue. They're not like, um, they're not being cautious. Like they're, you know, they are fully willing to, to enforce this norm and, you know, risk a relationship or, or, you know, um, show all their friends that they feel very strongly ab about this thing. Um, so the result is that you get these cascades of people, um, just saying, you know, the cruelest or, you know, bad attempts at, at being funny that have already been said a thousand times. And you get cases, you know, that people have already talked about, a ton of times about, uh, about people having their lives ruined, uh, because of, of, um, of something they said online or that was captured online or, or whatever. Um, so, I mean, yeah, obviously the, the sucks. Um, so, you know, what, what to say about this? I mean, so you might think, right, like, well, these people are guilty, Right. So, th so they deserve it. And so what could be the problem with, with piling on, a, you know, against a guilty person? Well, for one thing, like, you know, it's not as if the mo mobs are not known for their restraint. Right. So right. it's not <laughs> as if like the mob is just going to, to heap precisely the correct amount of blame on someone according to how much they deserve. Um, and also, you know, let's not hold fixed this idea that, that 
the mob will identify guilty people because if the incentive is take any opportunity to show how good you are by picking out people who are, are supposed norm violators, people will jump the gun and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll pile on against someone before all the facts are in. Oh my God. Don't we see this every single day uh, on Twitter? <laughs> so, um, and you know, even beyond that, like this is not what morality is for. It is not right. for, you know, taking occasion to punish people, to show other people uh, how good you are. Uh, it's for, enforcing norms when it's actually appropriate to do so. Um, and this is just the wrong method for, for doing it. Yeah. It, it just, I don't know. It, if you've been online much, it's just pretty obvious that it, it just brings more grief into the world and doesn't really convince anyone. It just makes everything um, a little bit meaner and worse. Yeah. So yeah, if that's, um, if that's it for the book, which I just want to reiterate, everyone should buy and read, uh, maybe we'll wrap that up here for the free listeners and then we can, uh, we can do blocked and reported after dark for the paid subscribers for the net, like another 15 or 20 minutes. Would that work? Yeah. Sounds great. Okay. So this is the stuff that's going to get you fired. So get ready for that. <laughs> All right. But on- only people who are in the Patreon. Okay. That's the free part. We actually went on for another 35 minutes or so. So. If you enjoyed this interview or want to support us, please do check out patreon.com slash blocked and reported, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash blocked and reported. Thank you so much, and you'll be hearing more from us soon.